Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Brace yourselves, winter is coming. What the writers of games, uh, Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Bran was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change the men's grooming game. And you can get 20% off, plus free shipping if you use the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I am talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof with advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wedding situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to help prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The Performance Package also includes Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their foot duster, foot deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. Want to smell good everywhere? The Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scented designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the shed travel bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 214. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Morning. Welcome to the show. How has the week been for you? Uh, been all right. Uh, kind of busy. Started Christmas vacation on Friday, so 
can't complain too much, I guess. I get lacrosse on Sunday or tonight, which would be Sunday. So no complaints. Nice. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm going to work one more week because somebody has to uh, walk around the base, make sure everyone's following the COVID regulations. So apparently that's going to be me this week. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. <laughs> a lot of late nights, no doubt. Um, before we begin, I just want to point out that uh, this uh, first few minutes of the show, this first segment will be brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Company's Puck Off Beer. Puck Off Loggerdale is brewed with hockey and all of its characters in mind. Cheers to the great Puck Off and cheers to you, hockey parents, aspiring coaches, valiant referees, and of course, the ever-loyal fans. That is Boxing Rock Brewing Company's Puck Off Beer. So this week's, well, this this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the injuries. We're going to talk about the Blues game. We'll even bring up the Olympics. So let's just start with the injuries. Tyler Toffoli had hand surgery this week, and he is going to be out for two months. Jake Evans is also day-to-day with an undisclosed injury, which means the players that we're missing are, and I'm going to set them up in lines just to lay it out here, Toffoli, Dvorak, Gallagher, Anderson, Evans, and Byron, and on defense, Edmondson, Petrie, Niku, Weber, and in goal, Price. So we're looking at two full lines and a starting goalie. And they're top pairing, one and a half pairings of defense, really, if you think. Yeah, your it. top three defenders, yeah. arguably. Uh, you're looking at a full second line, maybe a third line, and your foundational starting goaltender. And this is why I think, and I've been thinking about this all week, Ducharme's going to coach again next year. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't want him to, right? Because I don't think he's a... I mean, Caulfield's ice time has gone up the last few games. He's played over 14 minutes in each game. He played 16 minutes in St. Louis. Yeah, so he, I think it was 14.30-something, the uh, Chicago game. Uh, so his ice time's going up, but he's stuck on that third line uh, with... Dauphin and I think it was Pizzetta last night. Was it Pizzetta last night? Um, yeah. And the the week before it was Dauphin and uh, like Yeah, we're going to get into that later on in the show. Okay. Um, but for right now, you've got all these injuries and the team is clearly losing. Now, I'm not going to say that injuries are the only reason they're losing, but it's a major reason. It's a bigger reason this year than it has been in the past. I mean, when you're, yeah. you you have, what, three or four guys that are your top six and two top four defensemen uh, and your top goalie out of your lineup, that's 50% of the issue right there. Well, it's actually 69.4% of their cap is on the injured reserve. Yeah. So, <clears throat> like I said, I don't like – I get it. Every team has injuries, but this has been just insane. Like insane. What, 12 people? Yeah, 12, 13 people. And they haven't had any less than 10 on the injured reserve. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know, karma for selecting Mayu in the, in the draft. <laughs> or, and this might be a little bit out there. Bear with me on this really strange, odd theory. Maybe the one month off for an off season wasn't enough for them to recover and train for the following season. It could be, but Tampa doesn't seem to be doing too bad. They've been having injury, injury woes as well, but they're also a better constructed team. True. <clears throat> True. So, or, and I read this on uh, where everyone should get their credible news source from Facebook. Um, <laughs> Maybe they're just sitting people who they're sitting Gallagher and Petrie so that they can showcase them later in the season and trade them off. Uh, so the people on Facebook think Gallagher is being sat on purpose. Yeah, his COVID is uh, is just so he can sit and rest up so that oh, they yeah. can showcase him after yeah. Christmas for the trade deadline. Same and with the, Petrie. Yeah, because he was playing so well before. I think Petrie still has issues with his hands, to be honest with you. I agree. And I think he's had that from the start of the season. You don't go from a potential Norris candidate one year, well, at least halfway through the year, to complete dog shit the next. I mean, let's be honest. that That's how he's been, at least offensively, complete dog shit. Yeah. And you just don't do that. That just doesn't happen to to a player. Like, I don't know. I'll reference a different uh, uh, a sport, but Chuck Knobloch, when he went to the Yankees, did forget how to throw to first base when he was a second baseman, and they had to make him a left an outfielder. However, hockey is not the same. I mean, if his fingers are still bothering him, then his shot's not going to be right. His passing's not going to be right. He's not going to be able to hold the stick right. Uh, whatever he has now, uh, I think it's lower back or something. I'm not sure what it is now. Uh, Edmondson is the the lower back. Lower back, yeah. Whatever Petrie has now, that could have something to do with it. Uh, maybe they're just saying, "Hey, you know." And if that's the case, then why are you playing a guy injured? Like, if he's that injured, why did you wait so long to put him on the the IR? Like, yeah, these guys try to play through injuries. I think, yeah. and once things started to become quite obvious that, yeah. The season's lost. They started sitting guys when they started getting hurt. So guys like Dvorak, uh, Petrie, Anderson, I think Anderson's shoulder was probably popped out of place. Stuff like that. Guys would probably try to fight through it and play, play through injuries just to uh, keep the team in a playoff spot. But they, they don't were even have for that. a playoff spot or if they were like, it was near the end of the season and they were like two or three points out of a playoffs, but yeah, I can see them still playing through the injuries to try to, to keep them in there. But I mean, we knew after October, this team wasn't going anywhere. Um, well, they're now they've only got six wins in 25 games. It's, it's just not, you're not, it's not going to happen. No. Uh, yeah. I think they have to go 80% or something when the next 80% of their games, 760 but, win percentage, just to yeah. have a chance a chance not make it just a chance so i mean why not why not rest your guys give them a little bit more rest than probably what they need to recover from the injuries make sure they're fully healthy when they come back uh it's going to be an interesting off season for sure uh well i think the season itself is going to be interesting because yeah. it's going to it's going to be hard for gordon to assess the team yeah if 69% of his cap is sitting on injured, injured reserve. <laughs> so true. True. You know, 
I mean, it'd be different if guys like Dauphin or Pizzetta were getting injured. Then you'd be like, okay, well, they don't matter anyway. But, uh, I mean, we're talking like some of your top guys. Some of your guys that you have to make a decision about going into next year that are injured. And how do you make that decision when you can't really evaluate how well they did this? I mean, Mike Hoffman's another one. He's been on and off the IR twice now. He's been, uh, been put on the injury list. So, I mean, I get people are getting frustrated uh, and I don't blame you, but you can't go out of one side of your mouth, say pain for Shane. Now the other side of the mouth, get mad for losing because I mean, you're not guaranteed to get Shane right anyway, either. However, you know, the top five this year, any one of them could probably step into the NHL next year. If they, uh, maybe it's the top, at least the top three. I'm still uh, thinking that uh, they'll fall to probably four or five and uh, Connor Geeky would be, would be a guy they go for. I like, I like, I mean, we're getting off the injury top, but I like Savoie. I like the, I like the French guy. At least if they pick a, a French guy at this draft in Montreal, it'll be someone that. Uh, but he's Western French. He is, but he has the French name. He has the French name. Okay. <laughs> Give him that. Uh, no one's going to care. They're just going to see Savoie and be like, ah! Oh, yes, oui. <laughs> ah, tabarnak, il vient pas, de, uh, vient pas du Québec. But, uh, um, yeah, so that's what I think. It's, it's going to be hard for Gordon to assess. Like, I mean, I have an article coming out, five guys that probably won't be here next season. Uh, some of them are quite obvious. But, uh, Sherrod? <laughs> he's one of them. <laughs> Kulak's another. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> But uh, those are just five obvious. I mean, you got to look at it too. Like Gordon said, he was going to talk to his veterans, see where they were at. And it's all going to depend if Gordon, see Gordon got to decide, do I need a full rebuild or can I just, do I, do I just have a couple missing pieces that I have to uh, bring in? Right. And you can't assess a team on what to do if six, you know, majority of the team's not playing due to injuries like and there's not just injuries they're long-term injuries it's not just oh i'll be back in a, in a week or 10 days no they're like to foley's out eight weeks months, yeah right uh i mean gallagher should be back soon his was just covid unless something else happened to gallagher no it was a uh, covid isolation yeah so he'll be back probably next week um yeah. but price who knows when price is going to come back might miss the entire back. year uh, Weber's gone the entire year. Who knows how long Petrie's going to be? Edmondson keeps getting setback after setback. Uh, I mean, Dvork should be all right. He's not too long term, but you know, like it's, Evans, it's hard to. Evans, Byron should be back soon. Byron supposed to be back around now, but we'll we'll see where when when he's coming back. But uh, you know, you got to you got to assess these guys, and you can't assess when they're not there, and then you got to assess what you want to do in the end. And it's going to be hard for Gorton, whoever he hires as the GM, to uh, sit down and do that assessment. I mean, right now, what's the point of rushing to get a GM? Because this is what Laval looks like. Welcome to the club. (laughs) 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 So, well, that's that's probably going to be his first order of business is try and find a GM. So they've got their little uh, committee set up, and they're going to be probably in the new year have somebody in place. Now I'm that I'm just guessing I'm not, uh, there's no news on a deadline or who they're looking at. I, I was suspecting the uh, uh, Olympic break and I know we're going to get into the Olympics, but yeah, uh, that's going to come up in the end. 
I, I was expecting around the Olympic break is when they would uh, name their new GM, which I yeah. think is Feb- which I think is February. But whoever whoever comes in is clearly going to be working with Gordon, Gordon. complementing his side. So whatever whatever Gordon's uh, assessments are, they're probably just going to fall in line with that anyway. So, so for it's now, going to be Patrick Law. No, um, <clears throat> people think they're tanking for Shane Wright. You mentioned that a little earlier. I don't think it's, they're not tanking. This is not done on purpose. This is just, just every, team. Po- yeah. So it's a team that was missing some pieces going into the year who also now have massive injury woes, likely due from lack of rest and recovery from the last season. And it just snowballs from there. So this year is just a, a historically bad year based on a comedy of errors and Bergevin left a little bit of a mess, and now Gordon's going to clean it up. Uh, yeah, a lot of comedy errors. I I don't think our coach is the right coach for the for the team. Uh, I, that's I, that's one of the errors. Yeah, I don't think he knows how to adjust. I don't think he know. I think he's in over his head now and doesn't know how to fix it. Um, and I'm surprised that Gordon has said to him, "You know what." Put the put the young guys on the top lines. Play him, play him. Winner, winner, die. Lose, you know. And I, I see what he was saying about Caulfield. He doesn't want to match him up against the McDavid's and the whatever and blah 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 blah. But I mean, you got to learn sometime. Um, Maybe I don't know. Try and put him out for power plays a little bit more. Whatever. Instead of putting Armia and friggin' uh, Perot Perot out for a minute and a half of a power play. Um, I, yeah. I, to me, I think that's showcasing. I think he, they were out on that. They're, they're showcasing Armia and Perot. Uh, I think they're showcasing players, and that's why they're putting into situations that uh, – now, whether that's the GM's call or the coach's call, uh, but that's the only way I can see why someone like Savard gets put out on a power play over Norlander, someone like Armia and Perot over Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, I, I think it's showcasing. I think they're saying, hey, other teams, look at these players that we got. Um, well, how much of a showcase are they really putting on? Let's we can switch over to the Blues game here because I think it's a good segue right to that. So the Habs lose four one to the Blues, and you think, wow, four one could be worse. Actually, it should have been a lot freaking worse because that team came out flat. They played horrible hockey. So if you're showcasing a guy, that's not how you do it. Well, no, but. I don't know. I'm just trying to explain the reason why guys yeah. like Armia and Perot are getting more minutes, say, on a power play, or Sherratt is getting power play time. And why do you need to showcase Sherratt? Sherratt's going to be go get traded based on his playoff experience anyway, not his regular season uh, whatever. No team's picking him up to be a regular season hero. They're picking him up to be a playoff guy. Um, or maybe Ducharme is just playing his veterans and doesn't trust the kids. And that it's terrible. You basically might as well bring Claude Julian back and make uh, Ducharme the assistant again, because that's exactly what Claude Julian would have done. Yep. They, they, they would have made, he would have made Caulfield start on the fourth, fourth line and earn his way up to the first. Um, I think the only rookie I seen do that successfully under Julian was Suzuki. Um, you know, uh, the only positive of the last night's game was Alexander Romanov. That's it. Period. He was, only he was, positive. yeah, he really was. Well, I would say the only positive, uh, but Romanov was definitely the main 
the the star for the Canadians. He yeah. throwing hits, playing hard defensively, getting shots on net. He took three shots, scored a goal, scored a uh, nice goal. Yeah, yeah. He put a top shelf in the right in the right between the crossbar and the and the yeah. uh, post. But um, and you got a guy like that who's skating well, moving the puck well, playing that well, and you don't put him on a power play. Instead, you put Kyle Clegg, the waiver pickup. You put him out for a minute and a half on the one power play that you had, and you put you don't even bother to try put Romanov out at all. You put Wyden on. This goes to the coach. I mean, don't worry, Kyle Clegg's. I don't. I wouldn't argue about Kyle Clegg on a power play. I would not argue about that. However, you have to reward a player for doing well. Yeah, yeah. And re- and like I say, the season's lost. Who cares if you put Romanov out on a power? Like, what's? It's not going to hurt the power play. He's not even getting mop-up time on the power play. They yeah. gave that to Weidman. Yeah. So again, and then okay, you now we'll go back to the well. He's given his veterans time because he trusts them. Kyle Clegg consider a veteran, or you know, like uh, well, he's he's more of a veteran than Romanov, I guess. Yeah. But uh, and that, that's just to me, that's just bad coaching. It's just yeah. The only one on the power plays that makes sense. Like that, they only had the one power play because they played so poorly. They were chasing the planes the the entire night, so they got lucky on one power getting a power play. <clears throat> and the only ones that make sense are Drouet and Hoffman. Those two should be on a power play. Yeah. Suzuki should be on a power play, but he, he and Suzuki only got thirty four seconds on the power yeah. play with Yelonen and Caulfield. He was resting them up for the other power plays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Even even Paling got some power play time at 31 seconds, which also makes sense because he's a good net for presence. I don't but mind I don't, I, I, it's I don't all, mind him in the bumper spot. It's all it's all mop up time. So you've got all these injuries. Your your young guys are basically your most talented. Throw them out. The power play is when you really should be trying to give them ice time instead of relying on guys like Perot and Armia. Because Armia's got what three power play goals in his career? He only has one goal this season, period. Yeah, which is disappointing. I thought Armia was going to have a good year this year. And well, nobody, nobody really has. <laughs> so, no, but let's be honest. I mean, however, no one has. But if you had guys like Armia and that stepping up, I mean, I know Cole Caulfield is getting a lot of ripped up a lot in social media and stuff like that, especially by Leaf fans because they're obsessed with Cole Caulfield. And but. In the Habs. But I mean, I don't find Caulfield's playing bad hockey. I think Caulfield's in a position now where he's just not playing with anyone. Like, well, it, that's the thing. That I agree. I agree. I mean, he I mean, did miss. He did miss on a shot. You know, he had a chance to, uh, he had a pass and he, and he flubbed the shot or whatever. But I mean, that's what happens when you're holding your stick too tight because you think you have to do something. Um, True. As a coach, you should be talking to Caulfield, say, just go out and play your game. Don't worry about what. You know what I mean? Just play your game. Don't worry about anything. You know, and one of the uh, and Caulfield's one of the other bright spots in that <clears> game. <throat> he was he was actually showing. He was one of the few that had effort every shift. He mm-hmm. was he was skating well. He was trying to create uh, some scoring chances. Led the team in shots and shot attempts. But yeah, he's he's just not scoring, uh, and I think that has a lot to do with who he's with so he's wow. on a line with Dauphin and Pizzetta that's not really helping him in his game 
He's going against NHL lines with an AHL lineup. And, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I say no matter what, throw him, throw him on a second line. If you don't want to match him up with the top line, especially when you're at home, don't yeah. match him up with the top line. Right? I don't understand why they can't. He played well with Paling for the few games that he was with Paling. He actually yeah. had five points in or five points in six games, uh, playing around the third, playing with Paling and between Paling and Suzuki. And then all of a sudden he took that all away from him. I mean, Paling's only getting ten minutes a game anyway. Like I don't understand what Paling did to. I mean, play yeah, the young Paling guys. got thirteen minutes in the last game. Okay, thirteen. Last I looked, it was ten, but. That's high for him for the last couple of games. 13 it minutes. Is. Jesus. I mean, and he's the second line center on that team right now. Yeah. Well, he should be anyway. I don't know. But they're, they're, how many minutes did Perot get? He probably got more than that. Well, Dauphin got more as a center. Yeah, and which, Perot, which is just wrong. And Drew actually got almost as much time as a center as he did. Which, which is, is just wrong. Yeah, I agree. Like, but but Paling and Caulfield together would be a good mix because Caulfield needs a big body to create space, to kind of push defenders back a little bit as they enter the zone, kind of creating those little those little gaps in defensive coverage that Caulfield has has feasted on his entire life. So if he has a big centerman creating some of that havoc, he can zip in and out of those little open spots to get his shots off. That's something he's done his entire life up until now. Well, he and, can't do that now because he has no. Dauphin and Pizzetta and everyone knows the most talented guy on the line is Caulfield. So they're yep. just like, all right, we'll smother Caulfield. And then this line's dead. Well, <laughs> they're not getting much offensive zone time. And when they do, there's none of those, those little gaps in defensive coverage because, I mean, Pizzetta is a, a pretty good four checker, but for someone to puck retrieve that's not really his game he's more hit the guy in deep and keep the puck down there without trying to create and and nobody on the defensive side is looking at Pizzetta as oh we better watch out for him no they're gonna keep on Caulfield we'll we'll keep an eye on him but that's the guy with the talent that's the guy we got to stop from yeah making a good shot on the net so and he's being smothered I mean if you want to make a it's it's no different than coffee or cotton yemi last year playing with around about a winger. Although Caulfield had a little bit better talent to play with um, when he did have his rotational wingers. Um, I mean, a lot of people are saying send Caulfield to Laval. I don't think you need to send him to Laval. Just put him on a, a better line. Well, they can't. Period. <laughs> they, they can't. Everybody's hurt. Yalonen was called up for God's sakes, and he played can, a fairly good game too. You can still put him on with Drew and a Suzuki, or you can put him on with, uh, say, Paling and uh, Armia or something. You can put him on with something that's not Dauphin and Pizzetta. Make a make a Yalonen uh, Paling Caulfield line. Sure, or even a uh, you can have a Suzuki with say Hoffman and. Armia or Lekkonen and put uh, Paling with Druin in uh, Caulfield. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, you could. But this this all points to <clears throat> a team that's decimated by injuries, led by a coach who is confusingly relying on low, more, uh, more grindy type of uh, uh, veterans, as opposed to giving more trust to his younger more talented, skilled type prospect players. 
But it's not working. His relying on his veterans isn't working. No. So at some point, you got to look at it and go, all right, I've been relying on these guys, and they're just not getting the job done. Time to change the game up. And I think it has a lot to – a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's not really a meritocracy. Like, you, if you play well, you don't get more ice time. It's given to the veterans, even when they're playing poorly. Like, you look at the Blues game. And that game, they played uninspired, tame hockey. Even even uh, Ducharme said it after the game. He said, we, we showed up with no energy and no effort. Like, that's every second game. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not like, – that points directly to the coach. Yeah. Like, which, is, which is why I don't think he's going to survive this season. Oh, I hope – now, I know Gordon said he's going to be the coach for the season – but I got a feeling when the new GM comes in, he's going to be like, we got to do, we got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Cause you, you it's one thing to lose, yeah. but it's a whole other story to lose because you're not trying hard or yeah. you're not putting in enough effort. I think the fans, like you look at the games from last week that the Canadians had lost, they lost in overtime to Nashville, um, the Tampa game. The Chicago game, even the, the Chicago, yeah, the, the Chicago. The teams game. played well. I, I, I was kind of happy effort. with the way that, there was effort there. They yeah. played well. They tried their their best. Well, the Chicago game's a bit iffy, but uh, offensively they didn't generate much. But at least yeah. they put in some effort somewhere yeah. on the ice. You didn't see that in the Blues game, and that's the but kind I mean, of game that they've been. They've had what, maybe ten of. Well, like I say, almost every second game, except yeah. for the three game stretch they would play a great, you'd look at them and say, oh man, this team's really, they're, they're turning the corner. Like they're going to come back. And then the next game you're like, man, did they even like, and I agree. I mean, I've been saying this for a while. It's on coaching. Ducharme is in over his head. He's not an NHL coach. He doesn't know how to, uh, to handle the, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. First of all, I don't think he has a system. And I don't think the players understand what the system is. If he does have a system. Uh, um, he's got a system. I don't think he's adjusted that system based on what's going on because some systems need some tweaks and adjustments. He, he doesn't seem to have done it. There's no in-game adjustments. There were definitely none in the blues game. Uh, the, he just kept rolling four lines. Yeah. And, so, and if there is a system, then maybe it's not the right system for the players. He has out on the ice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but. It's more than just injuries. The players aren't responding. It's more, I mean, it goes back to October when we didn't have 30,000 injuries. We only had Um, (laughs) 10,000. It was the same. The team was so inconsistent. And when you look at inconsistent play, you got to look at the coaching. Why is this team inconsistent? You know what I mean? What are you, what are you doing wrong here? Like, aren't his assistants coaches coming up and saying like Luke Richardson or someone saying, Hey man, this isn't working. We got to try something new. I don't That's know, where this meritocracy uh, should come into play. If you're playing well, you get the ice time, and it doesn't need to, you know, continue in the next game. But in this, in this case, this game against the Blues, for instance, he should have had more time for Romanov. Should have had more time for Paling and Caulfield because those guys were actually playing hard every shift, so they should have been rewarded. At least Julian would have done something like that. Julian would yeah. have given more ice time to the players that were playing better. He would have. He would have. Maybe not in the last two minutes of the game, but, you know, with the down by a goal, we got to put the defensive line out. But um, 
he he would have done that. And you're right. He might not have gave him more minutes the next game, but he would have recognized. And if the next game they improved, that's how Suzuki went from the fourth line to the first line. Yeah. He just improved and play. And then Julian started playing him more, playing him more. Then he moved him up the lineup, moved him up the lineup, and then he stuck. Um, but you're right. Ducharme just seems to think, oh, you had a great game, Romy. Hey, Weidman, you're getting uh, top line minutes there next week. Just next game, just letting you know. Why? Yeah. Because, you know, you're a veteran of 10 years or whatever it is. And, you know, if you make a mistake, it's okay because we know you knew better. Uh, you know, it's just anyway. And that's the thing. that This is where if they have a meritocracy, they would have more, uh, these guys would have more of a chance to showcase themselves. You know, if, if you're, if you're really trying to showcase a veteran and he's doing well, he'll get more ice time. He'll keep, he'll do a little bit better, a little bit better. The young guys would be able to uh, develop in roles based on their merit. And at the very least you would incentivize playing with maximum effort throughout the game. Whereas right now, you don't have that. They're not. They're not playing. They're not consistent at all. Um, they they lack effort at times. They they're uninspired. You can tell that the season is already wearing on them. So, you got to find something internal to motivate these guys because just playing for jobs isn't enough. They need more, and the fans crave a team that's giving them a better effort because winning or losing right now. Most of the fans realize that, yeah, this is not the year. But at the very least, when they pay pay money, buying a ticket to go to a game, they want to be entertained. And right now, they're not getting that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no player in that room is, uh, you know, feeling the pain for Shane. They don't give a shit who they draft. They They don't care about that shit. So all these tank people, it's not really a tank. No, no player tanks, but uh, if you have a coach that's not, if you feel like you have a coach that's not putting the effort in, you're not going to put the effort in for the coach. And I'm not sure if Ducharme's putting the effort in or not, but he definitely isn't. Uh, like, I mean, it's like you say, if you play well, you should get more minutes or you should get rewarded for the, for, he doesn't do that. So why would a young player come out consistently every game play his ass off only to get maybe one extra minute the next game. And how is he supposed to know what he did right? If he's not being, you know, it, yeah. people we're just, we're just grown children. You, you, you want to give positive reinforcement to the young guys when they're doing well, that way they realize, Hey, that got me a, that got me a little candy or, Hey, he dangled the carrot and I got it. Yeah. I'll do that more. They're not doing that. That, and that falls, that's part of the reason why yeah, Montreal's development system has been getting criticized heavily over the years because they, they haven't had that. They haven't given positive reinforcement. They've just, here, this is what you're getting. Uh, it's your first year, you're going to get five minutes. Oh, it's your second year, I hear seven. Yeah. Doesn't matter how well you play or how poor you play. If, if you play poorly, you're benched. You do great. You still get your seven minutes. Yeah. Or if you do do great, Oh, but we're down by a goal or we're up by a goal. Sorry, Caulfield, you're sitting for the next 10 minutes because, you know, even though you've been playing great both sides of the ice, you're just a rookie and you're, you're out there for scoring. So you're, you're not going to play. 
unless we got a five on three power play where we really need a goal and you're and still going to sit. We're still not going to play you. Yeah. Like it, it makes absolutely no sense. You, no. you have a, 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 you could have a chance to have Suzuki with Hoffman and Caulfield on either side of you. That's your power play right there. Especially a five on three when you have all that open ice, you know, or, you know, while Montreal five on three, they just shoot from the point anyway. So what difference does it make? <laughs> <laughs> but th- this is the thing, you know, you don't need to give these guys 22 minutes a game. You need to give them proper roles that fit their skill sets. So in Caulfield's case, you give him, sure, leave him on a third line. That's fine. But you give him a big centerman, someone who can wreak havoc with the defense to create those open areas. And then you put him on a power play on the top wave and you leave him out there for a minute and a half and you see what happens. Because with the extra ice and those open areas, that's where he thrives. So give him a role that he can fit in right now and you can let him grow from there. It, it, it makes no sense that he would do as well as he did in the playoffs where it's a, t- a harder, tight, tighter checking style of hockey. And then they come out in a regular season when it's not so good. And then he's, you know, it's not, I wanna, I'm not going to say he's nowhere to be found because even before he gets sent to Laval, I thought he was playing pretty good hockey. Uh, yeah. He wasn't getting, I mean, he, he wasn't hitting the net like he usually does. He wasn't getting the goals, but uh, he was playing good hockey. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't get that, but they, oh, well, he's a minus 10 with only one goal. Yeah, but if you're losing plus minus to evaluate a player, you don't know that much about hockey. So I'm not going to. Especially on a team losing. Here. Yeah, especially on a team that's minus 40. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating that stat. They actually are minus 40. But uh, I thought it was more. Uh, While well, going into last night's game, they had 62, 4, and 102 again. So now it'd be a hundred i guess it is more now so (laughs) (laughs) well yeah Um, that's that's the thing yeah but i mean because plus minus you could do everything right and someone else screws up and the goal goes in you're still getting a minus i I still think that this has a lot to do with the fact that there was such a short off season caulfield is not used to that being a college player he had larger gaps you know three four months in between seasons so he had time to recover recuperate train and get ready in this case he didn't have that it all happened in about a month so yeah he's a little bit behind the eight ball and then you know he's gripping a stick a little bit tighter it's met it's more mental now for him than it is physical mm. so all of that kind of conspired against him not to mention teams are studying the players again uh, more they know more about Caulfield now, so they're able to key on him better. It's just, this is the stuff that happens. It is what it is. Sadly. We're on a pace for a 43-point season. Woo! It reminds me of the Ottawa Senators from the 90s. The Quebec yeah. Nordiques of the 80s. The Capitals of the 70s. <laughs> Where they won like eight, nine games all year. Yeah. Like this is, um, this is the worst season in Canadians history. If they finish at 43, you go by, uh, at 43 points, 44 points, whatever they end up with. If they're around there, that would rival some of the lowest point totals they've ever gotten in their history. And we're talking about seasons where they, they played 20 games. You know, it's just, unbelievably bad this year with everything going wrong 
However, Ducharme does not have the worst winning percentage of a Montreal head coach. And who would that be? I want to say Randy Cunningworth. I seen it earlier. His name was there, but I can't. I can't. There's two players. There's two coaches that are lower than. Uh, but does Randy Cunningworth count? He speaks only English. I have no idea. But uh, <laughs> there's there's. I seen it on Twitter. There was two under him, and I I just can't remember who it is. Randy Cunningworth I, seems to be a good bet to be lower on the win percentage side. Yeah, but it Ducharme is definitely. Sub 500. I think he's what about 380, 400. What's that? He's about 380, 400. Ducharme 380, 390, or something like that. I think that's what yeah. they said he was. Yeah. So yeah, for a team that made it to the cup final, this is regular season stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you, you see what I'm getting at here, though. Yeah. A team that, you know, things did go right for them. They made a cup final. They should be better than a 380 win percentage over his time. I mean, it makes you wonder what changed between Ducharme and the playoffs and now, or was it the players that got them through in the playoffs? Well, I think and it's those, all in the players. And those players are not really there now because they're not. No Evanson, no Weber, no Price. Um, you know. I think the players no, stepped uh, up in the playoffs. No Perry, no Stahl. No yeah. Stahl. No. <clears throat> now you go on about uh, veterans and rookies. Imagine if Perry and Stahl were still on the team. Caulfield wouldn't get any ice time. <laughs> or Perry would be smart enough to talk to the coach and get him the ice time because they seem to have a pretty good relationship. They do. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing in Montreal. There's not a player that's going to the coach and saying, hey, it's time to uh, get these guys the ice time they deserve. Which I think someone like Weber or Perry or even Eric Stahl would have stepped up and said, hey, yeah, you know what I mean? I don't mind playing 10 minutes a game. Let this guy play 15. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the, uh, the culture in the room during the playoffs last year overrode the coaching. It was, everybody got in that room. They were motivated to win for price and Weber and they all did. They all played their part. They all did all the things that they were supposed to do. And the coaches were just basically there on autopilot. Like you look at uh, Luke Richardson was able to step in and get, uh, get, uh, get the team into the final without any real change so the players just kind of they were on autopilot yeah but you, you had, can't be on autopilot price of net so yeah and, and you can't be on autopilot through the entire regular season that that does you can't do that you can't play at that level that's where the coaching really pays off is in the regular season where you can get a few extra wins here and there they're not getting that so that and that is the Habs unfiltered rant (laughs) holy crap yeah um so we'll just move on to the olympics then okay i didn't know we had enough time (laughs) yeah we can talk for a few minutes about the olympics i i don't think they're gonna happen no me neither i think i think uh canada's already politically uh pulling out of the olympics yeah, but not not physically not physically uh but the nhl with covid and with all the uh stuff going on and, and stuff like that i don't see uh i don't see them sending a uh, nhl team to the olympics now i don't know how canada's gonna do i don't know if they'll have time to put a canadian team together or anything but uh they'll have something 
uh, they're going to have to make a decision soon because it's only a couple months away. But uh, I don't see a Canadian team going to the Olympics or NH- any NHL teams going to the Olympics. So the countries are going to have to make their teams up from non-NHL players. Well, the NHL has already said that the choice, they have no problem one way or the other. The choice falls on the NHLPA. And I right. think there's a reason why they're kind of, they don't want to be the bad guys. They want to make the Correct. NHLPA the bad guys on yeah, this. Batman's already the bad guy. So he doesn't oh, want to yeah. play more of the bad guy. So. But it's it's Machiavellian. It's, he, he's making them out to be the bad guys when in reality, he knows what the answer is going to be. Because right now, uh, the IOC has come out with new information. And they've said that any positive test at the games means that you need two negative tests within 24 hours to prove it was a false positive. But if you don't get that, you're going to be isolated for 21 days, which would be a week beyond the tournament in China. So you've got player, you've got a player who could possibly miss three to five weeks, depending on when the positive test would happen. If it starts at the beginning of the Olympics or the end and then travel time. And so you've got a player missing for five weeks and teams are like, you know what? That's fine. We're not paying you during this time. So you're in isolation. You're not getting paid. Players are like, e, I need my paycheck. Yeah. I got three houses. Yeah. <laughs> Girlfriend in every town. You know, you got to gifts cost money. <laughs> so that's, that's a huge, huge red flag that I think is going to end up causing the NHL to be PA to back out. Yeah, I, I have no issue with that. I don't know what the NHL is going to do with the three weeks that they left out of the uh, schedule, but who knows? Maybe a mid-season break. Yeah, maybe. I would shorten that three weeks though, and then move the schedule back so that the season shorter. Personally, yeah. that's what I would do. Yeah, the playoffs get over in May instead of June, which might happen. Mm-hmm. Might or they might have a little mini tournament or an all-star thing or who knows what the alternate plan is right now. But um, I think the whole missing your pay, your paycheck for five weeks. Oh, that's definitely, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely going to have the NHLPA say no. Yeah. uh, And they've got the deadline of January 10th to decide. And then even then individual players can still say, no, I'm not going. So even if they say, yeah, we're going to go, you know, guys like, uh, Ovechkin would definitely go because playing the Olympics is a big deal for him, but someone, I don't know. I don't know. You pick, you know, Crosby. Would he want to go? Price. Would he want to go? It's hard to say, but uh, I don't think the NHLPA is going to make it. It's your choice. I think it's going to be, we're saying you're not going based on this, this, this. No, yeah, no. But if they do say, yeah, we're going to allow you guys to go or we voted yes, then it's still on the individuals to still decide for themselves. Yeah. And that uh, that 21-day quarantine, that could be a real, uh, yeah, I think that's going to kill this. Yeah. And sure. Like, I'm, I'm indifferent. Like, this, this Olympics to me is indifferent anyway. Like, Nobody wants anyone to go to China. I don't even know why they're having the Olympics, to be honest with you, especially in China. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to get political or anything, but I'm just saying. Yeah, and you, you back out uh, politically, you put out this, well, we're not going, but the players are and the athletes yeah. are, but you're not sending security staff with them. So you're like, well, you guys are bad. Well, here's our citizens. Have at her. Like, yeah. you just, it, it makes no sense. You're either in or you're out. Yeah. And I mean, there's no just the tip with the Olympics. Yeah. It's not, it's not Canada. It's not just Canada, USA and the United Kingdom and a bunch of yeah. are like, we're politically pulling out. And then, I mean, if you're going to politically pull out, you might as well say our countries are pulling out of the Olympics. No athletes are going to be going. Just like and the 1980 the games, just like yeah. the 1980 games in Moscow. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's pretty much our show. Okay. Got any final thoughts? No, not really. I mean, we did a rant. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, kind of agreeing with you. Um, I don't think Ducharme. If the new GM comes in, I think he's going to have a talk with Gordon and try to get rid of. Or they're going to go down and talk to Ducharme and say, "Hey, start playing the rookies over these vets, or we're just going to get rid of all your vets." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like I'm pretty sure Gordon's kind of being a little bit hands off when it comes to the operation of the team right now. He's looking into a new GM. He's got all this other shit that he got to do. Um, so, uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, a lot of people thought there'd be this big changeover, you know, coming into the like Gordon's hired. Oh, things are going to change. doesn't work that way. Like Gordon's didn't come in to, immediately start changing everything he came in to sit back evaluate and see what he has um so anyway my final thought is yes since gordon got hired they have not won a game but um the teams had everything the, the teams are shit let's let's be honest all the injuries uh the one month of time off uh all this other stuff it's just you know, hope for a good effort in a game. If they get a good effort, win or lose, just be glad they played a good effort. That, that's all you can hope for now. Yep. Yeah, because this season's it's lost. It's it's gone. I mean, if we can hit sixty points, great. I, I'll consider that a good season. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so depressing. All right. Well, paper, from on, on paper, this team's a, 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 a almost could be wild card team. It's a playoff team. bubble team. Correct. And that's what we had preseason when we, when we expected everybody to be healthy and playing. Yeah. So anyway, that's my, that's, that's what they're I'm not. Say. And for me, uh, I want to remind everyone that December 20th is the deadline uh, to buy t-shirts. There are Habs unfiltered t-shirts at 514 sports. Order them up. Um, Every penny of profit goes towards uh, veterans charities run by Vets Canada. They, uh, they do what they can to help veterans who are homeless, who have fallen through the cracks. They, uh, they work with Guitar for Vets. So they, they help veterans with PTSD deal with their PTSD in, in several ways. Essentially, they're, they're a reach out. They're a, a place for veterans to go when they need help. And buying the t-shirt helps them so buy as many as you can now <laughs> and that way we can 
with 514 Sports provide a nice check just before Christmas to a, a charity that really, really deserves it. And uh, that's it for our show. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, please remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Abs Unfiltered has special sponsors. Uh, go to seatgiant.ca to save 35% on all your fees when purchasing tickets to NHL, CFL, Major League Baseball, concerts, whatever event Seat Giant sells. Use the code UNFILTERED20, save 35% on your fees. Go to builtbar.ca and save 10% using the code UNFILTERED20 on your purchases online. Go to East Coast Lifestyle and use the code UNFILTERED20 to save 20% off your purchase of any clothing at East Coast Lifestyle. Also, Lift Life. Go to liftlife.ca and use the code HABS10 to save 10%. And for a special promo until Christmas, HABS Unfiltered will be selling t-shirts in conjunction with 514 shirts. If you purchase one of our shirts, the entire profit for the sale goes to Vets Canada. Vets Canada does work to end veterans homelessness across Canada. So let's help a great cause and wear a great shirt. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. 
wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.